0: Good evening, my name is Corey Morgan and this is The Pipeline. This is the Western Standards Weekly News Panel Show where we'll take a few of the top items that are burning up the news waves and dissect and discuss them and uh, solve all the world's problems or at least try to. We've got a good crowd of folks and a good uh, list of issues to delve into tonight. Before we get to that, I'll start though by uh, thanking our sponsor. That's how we can do this, how we can stay independent and get this unvarnished news and discourse to you and that's the canadian shooting sports association these guys are great if you own firearms you want to own firearms you respect the rights of others to own firearms you should have a membership with the cssa i mean the name says it it's an association of other like-minded people who want to protect those rights so you can safely enjoy uh, firearms whether for hunting collecting it doesn't matter it's your business if you're a law-abiding citizen but there's people who want to take those away from you guys And if you don't stand up for yourself, you're going to lose them. So check them out. Their website is cssa-cila.org and take out a membership with them. It's well worth it. And there's all sorts of resources there as well that uh, you'll enjoy as you dig through that website or just Google them out, Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Okay, let's get to it. There's the three of us here today. I'll start from the end and work my way towards myself, even though Nigel's already dramatic. I see the glasses are taken off all around already. We've got our news editor Dave Naylor at the end of the table. Welcome to this week's show, Dave.
1: Thank you, Corey. Uh, I don't know if you quite have the gravitas. Not, that, that, not
0: like Nigel. Uh, that Mr. Hannaford can no. add to it. But yes, and then our opinion editor Nigel Hannaford here today, as always.
2: Good to see you, Corey. Yes, Good great column this morning. Great
0: rant. Ah, thanks. I, I really yeah. had to get it out Some of my Some things system. need to be said. And uh, yeah, they can certainly. Get the vein pulsing in the side of my head. Poor Jane, you know, says, "Kick me out of the house. Go, 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 do a show. I don't want to hear about it anymore." She's sick of it. But uh, oh, I well. thought she told you what to say. It depends on what we're talking about. Social, uh, social environments, things like that, where I am quite uh, challenged. Jane's advice is well taken, and I'll just shut up and do as I'm said. But, you know, when it comes to the, the political rants, I still keep well, my little corner of things. Way to go! And she'll just tell me to get the hell out. All right. Well. What do we got to talk about today? Poor Justin. He's he's just having a hard time, Dave. Uh, You know, we don't often, as you said earlier, feel terribly sorry for Prime Minister Trudeau, but uh, things are kind of getting a little rough for him.
1: you Talk about kicking a guy when he's down, but uh, he's the author of his own demise. Started uh, yesterday in Ottawa where he he lectured the Israelis on uh, how they should be conducting themselves this afternoon. You know, 1,400 Jewish people were slain in the most horrible ways. We don't need to go back into that again. Uh, And then uh, Trudeau has the gall to tell uh, Israel how to respond. Uh, It was met with immediate derision from uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the leader of Israel, who basically told Trudeau to go pound sand. Uh, Again, showing, I think it just shows how far Canada's standing in the world has fallen, Corey, over the last several months. And uh, basically, we're sort of out there on an island of incompetence on our own. So uh, Trudeau took the government jet out to Vancouver to console himself. thought he'd go out for a nice meal, but uh, uh, pro-Palestinian demonstrators found him, uh, started chanting outside that that restaurant, forced him out there. Uh, He went with his tail between his legs to uh, Chinatown, try and get another meal down there where another mob formed, uh, chanting uh, chanting from the river to the sea. Uh, more than 100 Vancouver police officers were deployed uh, to protect them. Uh, there was a case of a man actually punching a, uh, a female uh, Vancouver police officer right in the face and gouging her eyes. Uh, he was arrested and, and taken away. So the temperature is really rising across the country in this issue. and Demonstrations every day and... Uh, and uh, Trudeau's not helping himself uh, in any way, shape or form.
0: Definitely not. Uh, Nigel, and you worked in the prime minister's office before, a different prime minister, of course, but diplomatically, I mean, uh, Twitter wasn't as big a thing back then, but I mean, for a world leader to take to X to make a response, to another world leader. I mean, I, I think that's kind of another level of a middle finger sort of directed towards Justin Trudeau. It wasn't an official statement of the Israeli government. It wasn't him making a phone call or even doing a press conference. It's like, I'm just going to take three minutes on my keyboard to express my uh, disdain for, for Prime Minister Trudeau and his <coughs> thoughts and, and send it <coughs> out there and, and we'll consider it done. Uh, would you see it as something of an
2: insult, I guess, in that sense? Or? Yes. It, it's certainly something that wasn't happening 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Those but it, it never would have with, uh, with with Harper because he didn't attract that kind of, uh, he attracted other kinds yeah. of... Uh, yeah, but he wouldn't uh, wade into but, uh, no, affairs that he wasn't
0: no, uh, mentally capable
2: not. of dealing with. And, and that I think, that is actually the point. That's, this is what we're seeing playing out here is, and I say this with some sadness because whether you agree with Mr. Trudeau, whether you vote for the liberals or you don't, you still like to think that the office of the prime minister of Canada is something that people in the rest of the world would take seriously. You know, if he's got something to say, well, let's just stop and listen. And then, you know, Mr. Trudeau has now reached the point where nobody cares. And I was just, I was just looking over some of the comments that he has made that, have, that we published you know, he he says of the um, of the um, of Israel, the world is watching. Boy, that's, that's profound. profound. Yes, yes. Um, you know, he he goes on. He says um, the world is witnessing witnessing this, the killing of women and children of babies. This has to stop. He didn't actually say it's unacceptable, which is the usual word for something that he doesn't like. But he said, this has to stop. Well, yeah, you know, I guess we would all like it to stop and stop right now. But um, and the violence needs to stop urgently. Okay, this is the kind of fatuous comment that actually causes more harm than good, because we all know that. What's your idea, sir? The answer is he doesn't have one. I don't think anybody does. The only thing is that if you believe, as our government does, that the state of Israel has a right to exist, then they have no alternative but to eliminate the people who nearly a month ago jumped a wall and started killing people indiscriminately in ways too horrifying to describe or to to, to keep going over. So you can't go out there in that climate and start saying these, these feel-good statements and expect anybody to take you seriously. Militarily, ceasefire is not an option. Um, nobody's taking him seriously, and that means nobody's taking Canada seriously.
0: Well, then Canadians aren't taking him seriously or respecting him either. I, I mean, he's been pandering, essentially, to the pro-Palestine, or as I would say most often, pro-Hamas mob, but what did that get him? It gets him chased out of restaurants in Vancouver. Uh, he hasn't won their love with his his mealy-mouthed uh, statements. You know, sort of. Try- he's trying to play both sides. He's doing terribly with both.
1: Yeah, it just it makes Canada look. You know, we are the the weak darling on the world stage now. That's why we're not taken seriously in the Five Eyes uh, security thing. That's why we're not in the submarine deals with the Americans and and the Australians. Our allies just don't trust Trudeau. So
0: and Nigel, what do you think out of this as well? I mean, we, we know the international <laughs> world has, has been taking Trudeau less and less seriously, basically with every year that he's been in office. I mean, he, he's always kind of been on the outs on the big conferences. But again, getting back here, what do they expect him to say? What are the pro-Palestine, to give him credit for that name even, what do they expect Prime Minister Trudeau to say? I mean, he's certainly pandered enough uh, in my view, to them, but they want more, obviously, or they're going to not even allowed to dine.
2: Yes. Well, I, look, I mean, what the, they would like nothing less than a full-throated uh, statement of support for their point of view that Israel has no right to exist and that uh, Israel should withdraw from Gaza now. And you know, they would they would like all that, uh, which is very unrealistic because they're never going to get it. And uh, consequently, they're constantly, they're always in this position of being able to confront him and say, "Well, you haven't said enough," and uh, put him in the position of having to send out the dominoes for supper. You know, like this is uh, not—he's in a no-win position. He he can't can't put himself. He's put himself there. And he would have been better off, if he's going to be in a no-win position, he'd be better off to at least pick a side and, and the right side and and support that as powerfully and firmly as his predecessor in office did for the 10 years that he was there to do it. Like, there isn't, you can't, I don't see how you can have kind of a half, a half door open for terrorism.
0: Well, and he just feels that he has to, add, every time he speaks to something, you know, there was an atrocity committed, uh, again, Vivian Silver, when we found out she was murdered, she was dead, and you know, well, it's terrible, you know, may she rest in peace, and he says all the right words, but then he also always has to follow up, and we're going to fight Islamophobia. Yeah. (laughs) That had nothing to do with this at all, but he always has to tack that on to the end. I haven't seen any, I I don't doubt there's people expressing prejudice against Muslim people, and, and things are getting heated in general, but right now, the more pressing problem we have in Canada is Jewish schools being attacked, Jewish businesses being attacked, Jewish individuals being attacked. I'm not hearing about imams being attacked. Why does he feel compelled to insert that every time?
1: I look at what's going on in Canadian streets now, the mob scenes in Vancouver with police officers being attacked and, uh, uh, you know, the, the hatred, the hate speech going on in Montreal, Toronto. And I think back to bouncy castles and honking horns and they declared the State of emergency for that, the war measures act for that, and yeah. you know what are they? What are they going to do to try and stop this? I mean, what what can Trudeau do to calm such a such a powerful issue on on both sides? Uh, you know, he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't.
2: Certainly, the um, the Palestinian side, the uh, the Hamas side. This is not spontaneous. This is being generated. This is being pushed and being forced. Uh, is not only here, but we saw what happened in London on, uh, on Remembrance Day, uh, huge crowds hostile to Israel. They have, this is the big push. They are conducting a PR campaign worldwide in the name of their cause. So in some ways, it's it's a hard thing for any democratic politician to to deal with But because it is such a hard thing and because it is so clearly orchestrated and well thought out by the other side, you should know that you can't get away with platitudes. You actually do have to take a position and stick with it. Well, and- It can't be all things to all men. No, and
0: and maybe again, calling out some of the problems. What I'm getting (coughs) myself tired of, and maybe, you know, to clarify, because a lot of people seem confused, a lot of people didn't follow Middle East issues that closely prior or, or look into some of those things. But it seems the, the, the anti-Semites feel if they can just cloak the word Jew and call it Zion, Zionist, they, they can pretty much express any hateful thing they like. I had that problem with commenters on my show earlier today. Uh, just to define, because people might not understand what Zionism is, you know. Zionism is the belief that it, basically that Israel has the right to exist It believe that Israel is the, the holy land for Jews. I mean that can still encompass a two-state solution or all sorts of things, but if you agree at its most base level, if you agree that Israel has the right to exist, at least to some degree you're supporting Zionism. I, I, I rattled out a quick poll, I know they're limited on Twitter. But I mean, I certainly have some anti-Israeli people on my Twitter scroll as well. But asking them, do you agree with Israel's right to exist? Because everybody keeps saying that. And well over 90% said yes. So if well over 90% of the population agrees with Israel's right to exist, why are we tolerating the anti-Semites to go after Zionists when they attack businesses, when they attack indigo books even for crying out loud? Again, can't Trudeau stand up, find a backbone, and speak out against that even?
1: Yeah, and has anybody been arrested? Uh, you know, all this hate speech and stuff Some. like to, that. to be
0: fair, there was a Calgary uh, one at one of the, the pro-Hamas power, uh, protests who got
1: arrested. That's in, right. Yes, I, for, I, uh, f- I forgot about that. Know, but it's, a,
0: it's an exception, it seems. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's, it's one, you know, your your poll shows 90%. I, uh, you know, it's probably that high uh, across Canada in terms of Canadians who think Israel has a right to exist. But again, it's a silent majority who are uh, making the most noise, as they seem to on every social issue these days.
0: Well, yeah, and platitudes, I mean, Prime Minister Trudeau often says, Is Israel has the right to defend itself. Okay, good, we can agree there. Well, what does that right look like then, Prime Minister Trudeau? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, the hospital, as Dave was saying, has been exposed to that. Uh, one of the things not of people are asking and pointing out, but if there was no Hamas presence in the hospital, the Israeli soldiers could have just walked right in and checked things out, and walked right out. They were under fire. <laughs> These were patients and doctors picking up rifles and bazookas. These were terrorists in the hospital. Uh, it just seems to make so much sense, yet he's afraid to condemn it. And
1: uh, well, it he just doesn't want <laughs>
2: <love it. laughs>
1: oh, No backbone, right? I mean, let's, let's, let's call it out. He's got no backbone. And right now he's on his new multi-billion dollar Airbus or whatever it is, flying to San Francisco for the APEC. How is he going to embarrass Canada there? Because you know he is. Oh, yeah. Whenever he goes out of the, the country, you know he's going so to embarrass us. He uh, he just everything he touches these days turns turns into a mess. Well,
2: sometimes you know you just got to know when your time is up.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
2: And uh, it's it it sort of happens that way. You start off slowly. You make mistakes. People think, oh, what an idiot, you know, and then they forget about it. But they. The next time you make a mistake. They remember that you made one before. And they can't remember the details, but oh yeah, he's done it again. Effect, and after what is it, twenty fifteen to it it's been a little more than eight years now. In fact, it was around about November the fourth of twenty fifteen when the actual rollover of government took place. The election was on October nineteenth. Takes you six weeks to get get everything moved over. So he's had eight years, and in that eight years. He has had mistake after mistake, after embarrassment, after scandal, scandal, after <laughs> ethics you know,
1: violation. And I think
2: people are finally, finally done with him.
1: Yeah.
2: Now this comes on, and where before he may have had some sympathy from the general public, saying, "Well, you know, what's the poor guy got to do? You know, he's a prime minister. He can't just be a no." They don't. Uh, they don't give him any. Any way at all now for
1: you know? And there was a a new poll out today from Abacus showing disapproval rates spiked in the last week, and it's now at the highest level ever for Trudeau. Uh, and let, even if it was uh, even before all this Israel stuff go went, he couldn't go anywhere in public without protests. You know, the anti-vaccine mob, uh, uh, various other people. He would be mobbed with protesters everywhere he went. And then he would vacuously smile and wave as though they were Friends. adoring, yes. you know, adoring followers. So. You
2: remember last year uh, we went down to Kamloops. First he went to Tofino, but then he went to Kamloops. <laughs> and uh, he was he was made to look a, a fool there. Yeah, um, in my view, deservedly so on that particular issue. But I, uh, he, the, the public has has finally decided that. The conservatives were right. We campaigned saying he's not ready, right? And he never was. And he never
1: was. Never will be.
2: And he never will be. He has not learned the right lessons from the uh, from the eight years that he's had in office, and it just shows. Well, now that we're going into, uh, it seems that in the last couple of years, we have been moving into times that are rather more challenging than the times that you know the few years before. And the lack of readiness, the lack of, um, the, I would have to say, the lack of intelligence, certainly the lack of wisdom, two aren't necessarily the same thing, but the lack of wisdom is really sh- shining through. And the big question now is will the Liberal Party allow him to stay there for the next election?
1: Because yeah, the if they do, the polls show they'll be decimated. Yeah.
2: The clock, clock is
0: ticking on them, too. I mean, <laughs> you got you know, when you're talking about running a leadership race, Allowing a new leader to establish themselves.
1: Want and, to get and, on and they did. Mm-hmm. They did appoint recently uh, election chairs. Uh, I know they're uh, they're working to get their people in in place in writing. So I just think I think the way that he he so uh, vehemently argues with Polyev in in question period, he thinks in his mind that he can beat Polyev, and I think he's going to give it a go, and he's going to have to be forced out. He's not going to take a walk in the snow like uh, some politicians did. He's going to need to be dragged out of there, kicking and screaming. Kind of like Trump was, I guess, <laughs> was a, uh, from the Oval Office. A number but, of them uh, go that way. Yeah, yeah he's you know. going have to have, he'll have yeah. to be dragged out of there.
0: They all have a hard time reading the writing on the wall. <coughs> mm-hmm. it, it took even with Ralph Klein until his own party, you know, voted 60%, I believe it was, to realize, okay, I've overstayed my welcome. Kretchen was, he was starting to get a little thin on party support by the time he got out of there too. The unofficial races were getting at, under his feet it's just the nature i guess of politicians once they get in they they've realized they've hit the apex of their career and they don't want to say goodbye to it without a foot to their rear end i guess well, they, well hopefully the trudeau's venture to san francisco we know he'll do something stupid but let's hope it's just something like a, something hanging out of his nose during a press conference or something and not something that'll damage our international reputation it'd be
2: more like wearing a cowboy hat in california and Kick shoes when you're in Texas, they just sort of the India trip is comes to mind. Is have <laughs> yeah. you, how you?
1: <laughs> hey, but you know, we could hit uh some good surfing down there,
2: true? Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, there's there's a, lot the, the, yeah, a lot of great white sharks,
1: a lot of great white sharks. I think <laughs> the, the waves are bigger than Tofino, so I you be headed out there.
2: I, I, know what you guys are, are thinking, and I don't, I don't wish him uh, between the jewels of the shark. Oh, no, I no, just no, I, I wish just... him. Gone from
0: this, and no, just a code, brown to, from, from this. code brown to rattle him up, you know, with a fin behind yeah. him. I don't want to see him actually. No. There,
1: there were rumors chance. he missed a lot of the G20 meetings, and uh. You Know, like I'm, I'm just saying, if he goes surfing, that's time he's not embarrassing. It's time in the country.
2: that he can't do, yeah, that's right? true. So. I understand he's quite a competent surfer, so he might, yes, even actually, surf away, uh, Justin. Please, go surfing, make us look good, do it for all of us. <laughs> exactly. Establish
0: his surfing circuit for his next yeah, career. We, we could, Maybe we could he'll have say, a, you know what, I want to step out and go do this. You sport.
2: know, that's the thing, isn't it? What does he do next? Maybe this is one of the reasons why, he, like, just to sort of step back and look at this man, he's just his marriage has just come to a very public end. And nothing in it looks very pretty. He has lost total public support in Canada. You mentioned the polls. They've been going like that. And um, on a purely personal point of view, this must be a really dark a dark it's place for him tough. at the moment.
0: And I mean, a lot of other prime ministers, you know, they'd be a lawyer or they'd get a bunch of directorships and things to look forward to afterwards. Uh, the speaking circuit, perhaps, for, for Mr. Yes. Trudeau,
1: to there's not oh, much else. Oh, come on, guys. Boo-hoo. This is a guy with millions and millions of dollars in the bank. Well, i, I just—I I mean, who what, amongst us hasn't gone through a breakup? What keeps yeah. him from wanting
0: to leave is all. Oh I mean, sure, it is. yeah. I yeah. mean, he's it's not going to get—he's not going to get TV the
1: corporate—he's yeah. not going to get the corporate uh, gigs. That, let's say Jason Kenney got immediately after yeah. he retired, uh, but you know yeah. he could make uh, so right forty, now, fifty thousand dollars a speech somewhere over in Europe.
2: All well, he's got is the limo and the private jet right now. Yeah. And, after and the chef the,
1: and the house. And, once those yeah. things
2: are gone, then he's, uh, Level. you know. We'll pay is for his own on private chef. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. It's uh, I, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting time for him, but it's also an interesting time for the country. And could he please move on? Yes.
0: Okay. Well, moving on. Let's <coughs> see. We got to get more into Alberta, but I mean, it reflects, I think, in a lot of provinces and looking back, I guess, you know, the, the report on the, the provincial response to the COVID pandemic, what was right? What was wrong? Uh, Dave, what, what, what did you just catch out of that report from, uh, Mr. Manning?
1: Yeah, this is a report, uh, I think, demanded by, yeah, Here's the report, uh, demanded by, a, a Premier, uh, at the time, uh, $2 million went in it, uh, probably the easiest quarter million that, uh, Preston's ever made in his life, but uh, uh, they, they came out with a report today with three main specifics. The first, strengthen the Alberta Emergency Management Agency. And basically, in any sort of provincial emergency, they would be the go-to guys. Uh, have lots of scientific advisors, you know, have a chief scientific advisor. Uh, and one of the things that the the panel said is reject school closures. No more school, school closures unless it's an extreme crisis, and in that case, close them but get them open again as quickly as possible. Uh, the second one was to uh, protect basic human rights and freedoms. Seems kind of obvious, but some of them were a bit uh, hindered uh, during the during the last pandemic. And the last recommendation was to increase healthcare capacity uh, during emergencies and pandemics. Now, this is the what you know what we would know as known as the surge you know, a surge when, uh, you know, you get a whole bunch of patients at once and hospitals can't cope. So they were, uh, and, and they, they, they said, yes, the government has already started to move in that in that direction. So, I mean, nothing, nothing shocking in the report, Nigel. Do um, you see anything?
2: Well, actually, uh, I won't call it shocking because it ought to be standard, but it's a very different report than what I would have expected to come from uh, a panel appointed by a different party and putting Preston Manning there i think was a masterstroke because he gets right down <coughs> to the, the heart of what upset so many people in this in this province during the covid which was the authoritarian character of of the government response and if I may just read this, uh, 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 the temptation is for democratic societies to increasingly imitate the authoritarian model in their responses to emergencies. This is, Preston Manning say, this is what other people were trying to do. And you can sure see it in Quebec, you could see it in Ontario, and you could see it in Alberta. Uh, so that is the temptation to bring the experts in, let the experts tell you what to do, and then weekly go off and do it. So he continues from that and, and says that um, he shouldn't, could, the, the panel shouldn't actually, uh, it's beyond the scope and capability to thoroughly analyze what needs to be done to ensure that the governance model followed by Alberta is democratic, not authoritative. And then he says very emphatically, suffice it to say that at a minimum, a democratic government response should be characterized by a more meaningful role for the elected assembly. Transparency, full public disclosure of the who, what, why, of why things are being done. Regular feedback from the public with the aim of rapid correction of mistakes on the ground, noting that such traditional feedback mechanisms often broke down during the covid uh, epidemic so this is this is a um, a recommendation of a very open um, responsive government that is listening to people and is aware that they do actually have rights and that once the Once there's a civil emergency, the rights don't just evaporate. How do you preserve people's rights? He asks the question, and then he provides the answer, uh, as you described. And the one thing that I've sort of thought myself, well, it's a pity we, like, why did we do this anyway? His first recommendation is that to strengthen the Alberta Emergency Management Agency through legislative amendments and budgetary provisions. Okay. Uh, To make it the lead government agency responding to any future emergencies, well, it always was. And we had. We had an emergency plan. And the first thing they did, you'll remember this because you wrote about it even before I worked here. I read you. And you were saying that the first thing they did was throw the plan away, as did every other province and the federal government, by the way. Suddenly, this, oh, we, you know, what do we do? We had an excellent plan in, in in this province and it was just ignored. Now they're saying we need to get a plan. So the thing is, how do you get people to stick to it?
0: Yeah, the, and I'm his name's escaping me now. The, the, David, David Rabin, yes, because I'd had him on the show and, and we'd spoken because he was quite frustrated and furious, put a lot into that. And I mean, you can't plan for everything, but you try your hardest and you put something together. And then when you just ignore it, and fly by the seat of your pants, which contributed to the Mm. the fate of Kenny, I I think in some ways, what I was kind of hoping for though, and it kind of seems a little back and forth in some ways, as we're looking in hindsight, that was clarifying who's the authority when it comes to the big decisions. We, We saw court cases now that were thrown out because they would bat it back and forth. Well, it's Dina Hinshaw who brought this in. Well, no, it wasn't Dina Hinshaw, it was Premier Kenny who brought this in. In this case, it's talking about empowering the experts, but at the same time, empowering the legislature Well, yeah. I think no, it means they're, they're, they're taking
1: probably. the power out of the doctor's hands yes. yeah, and they're yeah. giving it to elected officials. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. right. So responsibility should yes. land on them. So if the, if, well. if the emergency happens tomorrow, it's Daniel Smith's problem to deal with. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's the kind of clarity we I think we need to see now and looking back because it, it it I think cost faith from the the citizenship when they'd see both sides kind of finger pointing at each other mm-hmm. whenever things went badly or another side would take credit when you know when when numbers would go down Premier Kenny would come out and say it was our government actions and when the numbers would go up all oh, that was a Dina Hinsha. Look, I, I mean, it, look, as, as a
2: piece of prose, this is about as interesting as a long drink of warm water. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so it's not like people are going to be downloading <coughs> it, or sitting up at night by no. candlelight reading it. But I will say this: that anybody who does take the trouble to do that, mm-hmm. if they were on the right side of the issue during the COVID, uh, during the COVID years, they're going to take great encouragement that uh, this has been written and uh, I would have to hope that will be adopted by the, the government of Alberta.
0: Well, an interesting thing, because it was one of the dumbest moves of them all was that the school shutdowns, the playground shutdowns. I mean, a year into it, we had some pretty solid evidence that whatever things COVID may be, children, thankfully, if they didn't have a bunch of other conditions, were virtually immune from it. They were not at risk. It was not killing kids. So it should have been the last place that we'd be shutting down. We've we got a break on this, you know, if Let's uh, embrace that and, and carry on with their education and let them play basketball and skateboard yeah. and play hockey. Yeah. But we didn't do that. But we might not be so lucky with the next one. So we got to be a little careful too. I mean, the Spanish mm-hmm. flu, for example, decimated children. If, if we had something like that that was infectious and really harming children, then closing schools would make sense.
1: The problem with so, this one, Corey, was it was an overreaction. Yeah. Right. I remember Premier Kenny talking about having to put body bags at McMahon Stadium. Yes. Right. I mean, come on. Or the emergency hospitals that never emergency hospital the field hospitals yeah. that was that was an snc level and scam too I, too I think but yeah you you obviously got to you have to watch with interest watch with concern see what's happening and then make your decisions back uh, at the start of the the COVID pandemic every government overreacted at the same time and uh, it became a mess across the country
2: so let's just remember why that happened Dave everybody was. If you read the testimony given by Teresa Tam in February of 2020 before it was declared an emergency, she actually had a pretty good handle on what this was going to look like. She told the the Parliamentary Health Committee that this was something that was going to affect older people more than younger people and that that is where they should be focusing their efforts. So that was in February. Then came March and an epidemiologist in London named by Dr. Neil Ferguson. Ah, yes. Remember? I know as well. Okay, and he came out and said, we're all going to die in three months. And he's got <clears throat> a long track record of bad predictions already. But somehow or other, he is still the go-to guy for a situation like that and it so rattled the governments of Canada and every other country by the way that that all thought and reason was lost we were not the only province that had a plan and abandoned it others did too spectacularly the federal government did and it also forgot everything that Theresa Tam had said before the thing was declared an outbreak. She was even saying masks aren't going to do you any good. And she held on to that for probably six or eight weeks after the declaration until finally, I think, I'm speculating here, but I think somebody said, look, you either, you either fall in line on this or we can find ourselves a new chief public health officer because this is the narrative. This is what we've committed ourselves to. Politically, we are now on this. Well, and and something else that came about that was
0: strange, and I think they're kind of talking around it or addressing it. We canonized our health experts in every province has their chief medical officer federal. We'd never heard of them before. I mean, they were usually chasing herpes outbreaks at school proms or something. It wasn't really a a big status thing. They were the ones who ate alone in the corner of the legislative cafe uh, in the mornings, you know, a well-paying position, an important one but not a high profile one. And I remember t-shirts of, of, of Dina Hinshaw going around. And I think the the PEI health officer, they had one with her with a, a Superman outfit flying. These are bureaucrats. We, we shouldn't be turning them into heroes. And plus it can impact their decision-making. I mean, some of them, I think, sort of learn to embrace that sudden attention and importance and spotlight. uh,
2: But you know, uh, Corey, that so often happens when there is a crisis. Say there's a war, what happens? The, The people who you never agreed with, not everybody liked Churchill in 1938, but in 1940, everybody was on side with him. What happened? Well, there was a war, we needed a hero. And so you now have a crisis we need some heroes for people to fall in behind. And there were various other ways in which the, with the public relations effort, we're all in this together. It's just like the Second World War. You know, we've um, look, you look out for me, I'll look out for you. Uh, well, the, the little slogans that we said uh, were all designed, it, it was like the home front, you know? Uh,
0: Yeah, just uh, uh, just unlikely figures, though, still as opposed uh, to political. So these people
2: came forward, and we allowed them to be canonized, as you say. Um, I'm not saying they're incompetent, stupid, or anything, but but uh, it just was not the role. That's
0: what I mean. I'd rather that, that they stuck to their role of generating the charts, the graphs, and providing the, the sort of evidence that that was their specialty rather than being the public face. Uh, uh,
2: yeah, well, that was, and now you've nailed it, uh, Corey. That was the whole thing. As long as they were the public face of this, mm-hmm. the politicians didn't have to be. Yeah,
0: they could it's, hide from some of they the responsibility. Hide. They, they but either way, strange times, and so, that's what this report's about. So is, what, what,
2: what he's saying is yeah. the politicians need to be front and center right. on this thing. And take good the, good and, for Preston. And man.
0: take some responsibility too. But that's good. And and again, I mean, some of the T-shirts might have sold, but at least Dina Hinshaw's bangs never caught on, so we didn't have to look at those around the streets. So. There's one for sale
2: in the thrift shop <laughs> just down near where I live. Do you want <laughs> oh, to pick it up for
1: me? I would. <laughs> oh, a Dina Henshaw shirt or her bangs?
2: <laughs> no, they're, what's her name? Bonnie Henry. Oh, oh Bonnie mm-hmm. Henry. Okay, uh,
0: the BC version. Yeah, I think there was just kind of a strange times all around and, and we're still trying to figure well, out what size you are later. <laughs> okay. Okay. it's growing. All right uh, so finally uh, a little darker unfortunately, actually a lot darker, well and that's a dark subject as well. Uh, we've got a gang war breaking out there's no doubt about it and, and the, the age of the participants is, is just uh, terrifying.
1: Yeah it's been going on for years in the lower mainland uh, mainly between the uh, United Nations gang and uh, another gang called Brothers Keepers. They've been killing each other for, for years down there. But now it's spreading, spreading across Canada. Uh, this week we saw a gang killing in, in Toronto. A couple of days later, you had the awful scene of an 11-year-old murdered deliberately uh, because he was with his gang-affiliated father. Fortunately, another child who was in the vehicle, not related, was able to, to, to escape. Uh, this guy was affiliated to, I believe it was the UN gang in uh, in Vancouver, and he was a target of an assassination attempt in 2022. He was sitting at a restaurant with his family. Somebody opened fire, and and he escaped this time. So he was obviously living on borrowed time. And uh, gunman in a uh, in a BMW uh, followed him, shot him as he arrived at a fast food outlet, uh, fled, and then. As gangsters do, they set the car on fire and escaped. Very difficult for the police to solve these type of crimes because nobody will help them if those witnesses want nothing to do with it. A couple of days later, we have a shooting in broad daylight in Calgary's Marlborough area, Marlborough Park, at a, at a shopping centre parking lot where a man is gunned down in his vehicle. Two other people uh, associated with that vehicle were hit taken to hospital in in critical condition. What happened there was the the bad guys fled. Citizens at the scene were quickly able to give police a description, and the Hawks' helicopter picked them up, uh, driving rapidly across the city to uh, Chinook Centre. And then the Hawks was able to follow them as they went to a house in Dover. Attack team surrounded the house. They took the government into custody. Uh, seized, uh, seized all the, that sort of stuff. Shocking news the next day. The gunman, the hitman, 14 years old. <coughs> He's arrested and charged with first-degree murder. His brother, 18, charged with being an accessory after the fact. And it's all linked to this, this gang warfare. So not only do we have 11-year-olds getting killed, we have 14-year-olds as the hitman. I mean, it's out of control, guys. It's out of control, it's tit for tat retaliation, and it's only going to continue, it's only going to get worse. And mark my words, I hate to say it an innocent person's going to get killed one day, just like they oh, did in yeah. in the uh, in the rock machine and the Hells Angels were yeah, battling. We've covered a lot of this over they, a lot they, of they, years. They, when these criminals they, go yeah.
0: at it, they're not terribly discriminating about who else might get caught in the crossfire, it's just a matter of time, yeah. Especially again, if if they're, I, I wouldn't imagine a, a one of these gangsters in their 30s is uh, a smart person or a good person, but they might be a little more controlled when they're putting guns in the hands of 14-year-olds. Well, that's
2: actually yeah. smart.
0: Well, uh, as it, 40 40 year avoiding old, charges and such. Uh, uh, yes, yeah,
2: The 14-year-old, I mean, I mean, he will face consequences, but it's nothing like what you would face if you were not 14 but 34, in which case you would be looking at significant jail time and all that goes with it. This kid will... Mm.
1: Maybe they're smart. the The eighteen year old brother says, "Okay, Sun Sunshine, you're going to be the killer because you can only do three years. If I'm the killer, I do twenty five. I'm only going to get six or seven. You know, we'll be out at the same time together, and then we'll be gang hierarchy."
0: Yep. So, so. I mean, yeah. Plus, but you've damaged a fourteen year old kid for for life. <laughs> yeah, but look,
2: well, the business they're in. Yes, they're it's... damaging. How many people? die from illegal drugs or,
0: like, like and we've seen that in Los Angeles too I mean the, the crips the bloods when they, you know the apex of their gang wars yeah. in, in the 80s and 90s they were often 15 16 17 year old kids who were participating and targeted in those yeah.
1: yeah and the Vancouver police I think it was last year they put out a big picture of the top you know the top 10 gangsters in town and they said stay away from these people these people are, are targets and they're going to get shot so if you see this guy and you're sitting in the same restaurant as him, get up and leave because you don't know where the bullets are going to fly. And it's uh, you know once you're in the gang you can't get out. And uh, you know it's it's there's families in uh, in Vancouver who have lost multiple children to this gang warfare. They've been shot mm-hmm. by the opposite side. You know, and it's is it true, or is it just one of those
2: things that we like to believe that there was sort of a code in criminal organizations that business is business and we you know we kill each other but we leave the women and the children out of it was that ever No that, really
1: that, is, that is definitely true and the line was crossed a few months ago in Montreal when the wife of a wife of a reputed mafia gangster was was shot and killed in oh. in Montreal and the Edmonton police in their press conference said hey a couple days ago said yeah the code has been violated here normally the kids are left alone and, and it, it, it wasn't a case Corey, that this Kid got just caught in the crossfire. No, the, he they he was intentionally targeted, and shot deliberately because he was associated with the gangsters. Sure. So that's a concern now. It's one that once that line is being crossed, yeah, they're I'm not sure. Took it to retaliate. You know, to retaliate crossing the same line. We've only got a, a you know a five
0: six minutes uh, on a huge subject. It didn't leave us enough time. But I mean, this all ties in. It almost always ties into drug trade and uh, mm-hmm. the opioid epidemic. Where there's money, the gangsters are going to follow you know, where there's drugs, the gangsters are going to follow. Uh, but how do we fix that? You know, that gets onto where the, the legalization people say, well, if government was the drug dealer, it would put these guys out of business. I, I think that's a simplistic and dangerous way to look sure. at it. And the well,
1: thing you have to look at is these are just the street level guys, yeah, yeah. right? There's an entire hierarchy and then hierarchy and another hierarchy, probably topped off with the Mexican cartels. And, Arthur had
0: reported we, ties. Yeah, we had
1: that yeah, exclusively earlier this year, but they've been here for a while. They're, they're entrenched, uh, but you don't hear from them. You know, you don't have Mexican nationals arrested shooting people on the, the streets of Calgary. They they assign that work to to, to the lower gangs. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it is a case, it's almost like a terror, terrorist network. You've got cells, right? So, you know, if, if one cell gets arrested, they can't, bring down the rest of the gang so it's very very tough for police officers um, Calgary police got lucky this time because they got a good witness description and they were able to follow the killers Edmonton police have made no arrests it's going to be a very very difficult case for them them to solve it. its they're 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 just not easy they're the upper hierarchy of the gangs they're not fools no. they're in it they're in it to make money they're already very rich and they want to keep uh, getting richer and you know, to to
2: the point of the people who say, well, if you leave, if if you make the government the drug dealer, then you remove the profit from it, then it goes away. Well, maybe to yeah, some degree. that's what happens is that's what we know we're going to hear. We did that with marijuana, so now the, the 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 fight on the street is over. Drugs that are even deadlier. Okay, let's take them. Let's have supervised injection sites. Take all the. So then we move on to something else. Yeah, well, they are in the business of criminality and that is…
1: Yeah, I saw, I read something yesterday on uh, uh, the gummies that are legal. Uh, the, the manufacturers want to increase the po- potency of the gummies because the ones that are sold on the street are much higher potency, much higher high. Well, yeah. So, you know, even though it's illegal, you're going to go for that one, aren't you?
0: Well, the issue we're seeing on the West Coast, too, where they have having dispensaries and they're handing out free hard drugs to mm-hmm. uh, addicts. But all the addicts are doing and it's getting reported more and more, although they're trying their hardest to hide it. We'll have to do another show on that. But it's, it's they will grab those. They don't want those. It doesn't give them a good enough high. They sell those to often new addicts or kids so that they can trade them up for harder drugs again from the gangs and criminals. So, I mean, legalization is... A, a simplistic approach; it just doesn't
2: work. You know, and even without legalization, you think back about 15 years ago when uh, the the story was on the 34th floor, at five o'clock. He slipped into the stock room and cut some cocaine. You know, uh, very rich people were doing these drugs, and they're therefore enabling the street level guys to make a living. So, who actually, who actually is responsible? in that situation, the customer or the dealer. Cause we always spend our time going after the dealers. If you can get the demand out, the dealers are gone. that's right. There. So, so that's maybe the treatment,
0: uh, uh, this sounds horribly and
2: simplistic. And, and I know it's never going to happen, but frankly, the remember that high school advice that they were giving out a few years, just say no to drugs.
0: Yeah. Nancy Reagan. Mm-hmm. Right,
1: That was a bit of a failure.
2: Well, it was a failure,
0: but uh, she wasn't wrong. No, if we can try and find ways to reduce the demand or treatment or other things. Uh-huh. Well, we've run out of time. And as I said, that's a big, big issue. But hopefully we just aren't seeing as many tragic shootings. And as Dave said, it's probably just a matter of time, but we can still hope that uh, we don't see any more innocent people anyways get caught in the crossfire before somehow there's resolution. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, guys. It's good to be here, Corey. Didn't quite solve the world's problems, but we spoke on some of them and we're working closer towards it, I think. And thank all of you guys for joining us today be sure to take out a subscription westernstandard.news membership that's how we pay the bills and how we can stay independent and uh tune in next week at this time we'll have a few more new issues to discuss and uh there's always lots more news happening every day so thanks again we'll see you then canadian shooting sports association without the cssa our gun rights would have been taken long Long ago, these guys are on the front lines, helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms, regulations and legislation in Canada. And more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. To become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny.
1: You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.